Hey there, and welcome to the Scattered Saints podcast. My name is Josh, and we're joined by our online pastor, DeAndre, today. Hey, yo. We are really, really excited for the message today. DeAndre, what's this new series from Pastor Brett we're listening Guys, to? Guys, it's called Reboot, and it's on worship this week, actually for the whole sermon series. So, guys, get ready. I'm so excited for it. Let's go. Whether you're in your car, at work, on the treadmill, anything, we know that God has an awesome message for you today, and we're excited. DeAndre, let's get ready and get into the Word. Welcome today. Again, my name is Brett, and I'm honored that you're here. We are going to jump into the Word. We're going to jump into the Scriptures. Uh, First and foremost, what you need to know is that we are people who follow Jesus, and we follow Jesus one step at a time. You could say that we are Jesus' people, and we believe that God gave us this word, and it's a foundation for our lives, a firm and sure foundation that we can build our lives upon. And if you've ever were wondered if you get your hands on an owner, owner's manual for your life, you actually can. And in the book of Romans, in uh, chapter 15, uh, the fourth verse, it says that this book and these accounts are for our learning. Now, that's referencing the Old Testament, the really old stories that are found in Scripture, but they're physical, real-life stories that happen, but they're there and they're captured and they're recorded for our learning and our benefit that we could grow in patience and comfort until the day of Christ Jesus, our Lord. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to dive in. We're going to Look at the book of Joshua. We're going we're gonna to look at a bunch of concepts, and we've got an opportunity for you to, to jump in and respond with us. And all the, all the way through, uh, I, you're watching live. And so if something's impactful for you, if there's a quote that, that, you, that you love, just type it in that chat bar and let us know. We love to hear from you. And I also want to remind you that if you need prayer today, that you can call or text 587 400 2010, and you can even do it while this is going on, and we would love to keep in touch with you, pray with you, walk with you through this next season, and DeAndre uh, and his team are doing an amazing job, Pastor DeAndre, and they're going to walk with you through this season. He's our online pastor, and so if, if you want to ne- take a next step, you want to make a decision, listen, if you want to figure out how we can baptize you and you live some, some other part of the country, you, you talk to Pastor DeAndre and we're going to figure that out for you, okay? So we are in a series or a collection of talks called Reboot. And for those of you who join us live here sometimes, uh, we are restarting, we're re-entering. But what we've discovered throughout this season as the Scattered Saints, that's that's who we are today, is that God is reframing our understanding of what it means uh, to be a Christian, what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to to go to church, what it means to... those, Those practices that we have taken for granted... It's amazing how when you lose something uh, that's valuable that you you actually really realize it's true worth and value. I want to start in Joshua chapter 24. Come on, let's jump into the Bible. Joshua 24, while you're going there in your Bible or on the YouVersion Bible app, uh, I'm going to pray. Jesus, I'm so thankful that you're with us, that you're here right now, that you're leading us and you're guiding us, you're speaking to us into the depths of who we are. And so we open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to you right now. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I have to warn you, if this is your first or second time with us, that when we start reading Scripture, it begins to transform us. It starts to change us, and the change happens pretty fast. So just buckle up with me. This is Joshua 24, verse 15. 
Uh, this one's out of the New King James Version. Predominantly, I read out of the New Living Translation. It says, but as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. If you were with us last week, and if, if you weren't, no worries. You can watch, uh, check out the playlist and go watch that video on YouTube uh, later. We were looking at a portion of Scripture where the Israelites are, are about to take possession of the promised land. Now, God gave them this land, but when he gave them this land, they had to go and they had to conquer the land, take it. And, and they did that uh, in a number of ways. When they entered the promised land, they entered by a miracle. They crossed the, the Jordan River, dried up. In the same way, now you might be familiar, you might be thinking about Ten Commandments, Charlton Hesson, all those things. And, and that's the Red Sea when they escaped Egypt and they entered the desert, that that miracle happened. But God said, for a new generation, I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do that again because you need to know that I'm with you in the same way that I was with your grandparents. And so he opens it up and they enter this, this land uh, called Canaan. It's the promised land. And... They go, and there's this city that they need to conquer. And last week, we looked at this moment where they conquered Jericho, and they didn't do it under their own power. God did it by a mighty miracle. He called, they shouted, that's it. They shouted, they're obedient to God. They shouted, the walls came down, and they were able to conquer the city. Now, you're like, I don't know about conquering cities. I don't know about any of those things. But what we did here when le- reading Joshua 24 is we fast-forwarded to the end of the story. We're looking at the very end so we can understand the beginning of the journey. And at the end of the story of, of this portion of scripture, Joshua is about to, to die. He's about to pass away. He's, he's been the leader now for, for decades. And he wants to make sure that the kids are all right. And so he brings them to a significant place, a significant location, a location called Shechem. And it's at this location where Jacob encountered God, where Jacob, uh, where God met him and, he's, and, he, and God called him back home and he buried his idols in, in things that he used to worship. He buried them all right there. It was actually at Shechem where Abraham had his first encounter with God. It was actually at this same place that Moses in Deuteronomy 27 said to the people, and now you become God's people. This is a significant moment. So, you know, I don't know if you if you do this, like I don't know how much of a romantic you are when it's your anniversary and you go back to the exact same place that, you know, that, that you're, you did your wedding vows and you do a great vow renewal. That's kind of this situation here. I know Des and I, we got to go to Antigua for our, uh, for our honeymoon. And so we said, hey, you know, at our 10-year wedding anniversary, let's go back. What we weren't prepared for was the lack of money that we would have at our 10-year wedding anniversary. So we've just bumped that to the 20-year anniversary and we'll go back. But there's something significant about going back to the same place, redigging those wells and, and renewing our commitment. So Joshua says, okay, we're all going to go back as a people to this very significant place where God meets us. And he starts reminding them of the goodness of God. This is uh, Joshua 24. We're going to start in verse 11. When you crossed the Jordan River and came to Jericho, the men of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites and the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, but I gave you victory over them. And I sent terror ahead of you to drive out the two kings of the Amorites. It was not your swords or bows that brought you victory. I gave you land you had not worked on, and I gave you towns you did not build, the towns where you are now living. I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. Joshua starts running them through this like greatest hits moment, just to remind them that the great life that they're now 
living this amazing, comfortable life where they're just, they're, they're farming, there's olive groves and there's vineyards and, and they didn't even build the house. They just moved into this beautiful house. God said, I gave all these things to you. It wasn't your swords. It wasn't your bows. It wasn't your strategy. It wasn't your ability to make things happen. It was me. It was God. I gave it to you. And Josh, Joshua reminds them in this significant place that God did these things. Now, what I love is he lists out all, all these, these ites, <laughs> these, these types of people. There are seven groups of people listed. Seven in scripture uh, often represents wholeness and completeness. Uh, seven is the number of completion. So they defeated seven people groups, which, which, which is just kind of like a tip of the cap to say, this is the complete work of God. This is the complete Work of God. God is, God is working. He's leading. If we were to take this down to a personal level, we could jump over to uh, Philippians chapter 1. It says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. If we want to just take this down to a personal level. The same way that God brought his people in the Old Testament. This is our learning. This is for our learning. He brought them into the promised land and they defeated every enemy that came their way. And he did it seven people groups to show his complete work. God has started something in you and he's not going to leave you or abandon you until he brings it through till completion. God wants to do a complete work in you. You might feel like you're a failure because you're a work in progress. No, he's just getting started. Don't say, man, I'm, I'm only this far in my journey. No, look back and say, wow, look how far I've come when I walk with Jesus. Maybe you're far from God and you're like, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't quite understand. Uh, I don't quite understand, but there's something in you that just feels like you haven't accomplished what you were created to. Did you know that you will only live up to your fullest potential when you have a relationship with Jesus? Because he begins to unlock the things that he placed inside of you when he handcrafted you and created you. In this moment of vow renewal, where Joshua calls these people of God to remember the good things of God, he's reminding them that, that God did what he said. And I want to let you know that God's going to do what he said for you. He's going to bring it through. You might even be in the midst of the most difficult, screwed up season. You're like, God, where are you? He's like, I'm right here, and I'm going to see this thing through. I'm going to bring you through. My friend, won't you just... Trust him through this. Okay, let's, let's keep moving. This is Joshua 24. Uh, we'll look at verse 14. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord alone. I love that phrase. Serve the Lord wholeheartedly with our whole heart, with all of our heart. We serve the Lord wholeheartedly. As we're kind of taking time in this season to reevaluate and, and, and look at our, our traditions and look at the things that we hold dear, I think what's becoming very evident to us as, as we re-enter life and things reopen, there's some things we're like, man, I don't need to do that again. 
There's other things that I'm like, I really wish I could get, I wish I could just experience that thing. There's things that we're missing and that there's things we're like, you know what, I'm fine. This was a giant reset button. I wonder what might happen to us if we embraced the reset instead of tried to, to fight against all of the things. We said, you know what, God, I think you're, you're using this season. You didn't inflict this season, but you're going to turn these things for my good. We're going to embrace this. What I want us to understand here today is that Joshua was calling the people of Israel to worship God in 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 a new and a fervent way. It was just like the way that they had done it, but he said, do it with your whole heart. It says, put away forever the idols your ancestors worship when they live beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. So I guess you could say today that we're talking about this idea of worship. When we often think about worship, we think about music, right? We think about what we what we did a little earlier. We were singing, and people were clapping, and there's lights, and there's sound, and there's there's a band. Uh, maybe you think maybe you're like a more traditionalist, and you just wish it was like organ, or maybe you know we all have a different preference of of what it could be. But the reality is, worship isn't talking necessarily only about music. We've kind of co-opted that term. The original word worship, you know, if we go to the, do the etymology of the word, which is just, we figure out where worship came from. It actually comes from the word worth, which means we worship what we value. We worship what we value. You see, we were created to worship. We were created to love. You worship or you ascribe things worth because you love them. See, we were created in God's own image. We are created for relationship, but we were created with a capacity to love. We know what our capacity is because we know what his capacity is. He, we love him because he loved us first. We know what real love is. This is what First John says. Real love is what Jesus did when he died on the cross for us while we were still sinners, while we were still his enemies, while we were a long ways off. That's what real love is. We were created to love, which means that inevitably we will give things worth because we love things and we will worship the things. The question isn't if we will worship, okay, because we worship things all the time, right? The question is, how are things ordered in our lives? Worship throughout human history was connected to sacrifice. Um, in the Old Testament, there was animal sacrifice. Um, that kind of evolved over time. It, it changed. Now, now we don't do those things. Ultimately, in our faith, uh, following Jesus, it culminated in the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us, his death, burial, and then ultimately his resurrection. One way that you can detect what you worship in your life is to look at what you make sacrifices for. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Oh, well, I got to work those extra hours. You, maybe you sacrifice for your job, so you love your job, which in some level means you worship your job. Maybe the status that with, comes with it, maybe the sense of fulfillment. Maybe you make sacrifices for your family, so you worship your family on some level. Maybe you make sacrifices for your relationship, and so you could go as far as to say that you worship your relationship. So the question isn't, do we worship things? We do worship things. The real question is, how have I ordered those things in my life? How have I ordered those things? This is Exodus chapter 20, one of the very first uh, commandments, actually the first commandment, Exodus 20 verse 3, is the Lord says, worship me above everything else. 
Worship me above everything else. It's, it's not a matter of if our hearts will, will love and put value on things. We know that's going to happen. It's worship God above everything else. Is he first? Does he have priority? Uh, St. Augustine, an amazing theologian, says this, the essence of sin is disordered love. Essence of sin is disordered love. I suppose you could put it this way. When our worship is disordered, our lives become disordered. I don't know if you ever had that moment. Sometimes I just get home after a long day and, uh, or I get home just period, long day, short day, doesn't matter. And you kind of open up your phone and you just kind of start scrolling, or maybe you've got to look at that email or, you know, if we're being honest, maybe you're playing that game that you like to play on your phone. And, and, and all of a sudden you realize that there's something happening around you. Maybe your situational awareness, you were just kind of like so tunnel vision on what was happening like right here that you kind of just missed what was happening. And what's actually happening right here, one foot from your face is your son or your daughter saying, dad, 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 dad. And finally, I, you know, you snap to attention and you realize that this, this, this child who you love and you sacrifice for is here, but you kind of missed it. And they said, I need to tell you something. And maybe it was like the most important email of your life. You're like, yeah, but I just needed to do this. And, and you know, I'll just use my son's example. My, my son Kingston, he did this to me the other day. He's like, dad, 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 dad. And I just, I snapped out of it long enough. And he said, I need to tell you something. And I'm like, okay. He said, I love you. And then he just ran away, did his thing. I wonder how many times I've missed the voice of the one I love, where I sacrificed the one I love for the thing that I was doing or was reading or was scrolling through. When our worship is disordered, our lives become disordered. When our priorities are off, things don't function. There's a quote from Gabe Finocchio. He's a theologian and a Bible teacher from Theosu, and he says, if we worship something, we end up obeying it. Hmm. I become a slave to it. Jesus alluded to this in Matthew 6, 21, where he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't know if you remember this. Maybe this is maybe dating myself. If, if you're, if you're, you know, in your, if you're a teenager in your 20s, you don't know this. But when I grew up, uh, there's this like public PSA that would come on. I think it was on like CBC Kids and those kind of things. It's like, it, don't you put it in your mouth. Don't you put it in your mouth till you ask someone you love. And it's these puppets. And it was like a PSA for drugs. And like, don't do drugs. And, I, and it's like, and don't eat weird things. And I was like, but it's been burned in my brain forever because I just, I just watched it and I heard it and it's like burnt, burnt in there. Uh, and then there's a whole nother PSA and I realized I smashed them together and they're actually not the same ad, but I, until yesterday was convinced they were the same thing. The one just kept just saying the phrase, you are what you eat, you are what you eat. And it was encouraging, you know, healthy eating practices and eating your vegetables and all those things. But in reality, we could think of our worship in the same way. You are what you worship. You are what you eat. You are what you consume from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
let's shift our attention to John chapter 4. If you're still with me, turn to whoever you're watching this and say, I'm with you. If, you, if you're online only, you're by yourself, jump in the chat, say, I'm with you, and we'll just keep on rolling. This is John 4, verse 23. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him in that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. There is a spiritual component to our worship, and there is a very practical component to our worship. Both are vitally important. But I think for the purpose of our conversation today, we have to understand that worship is more than just singing songs on Sunday. Now, over the next number of weeks, we're going to unpack what does the Bible say about our expressions of worship? How do we express? But before we act on the desires and affections of our heart in physical and tangible worship, we have to align the affections of our heart. I'm going to say that one more time. Before we act on the desires and affections of our heart, we have to align the affections of our heart. Jesus was um, trying to, to get this information or this idea out there. This is Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. <laughs> I guess if we were to make this work in 21st century, when the band's playing and the, the vibes are right and the moment's right, these people honor me with lifting hands and singing out nice songs, but their hearts are far from me. It doesn't matter how passionately we display our worship if our hearts are not aligned, if God is not first, if Jesus is not first. You know, Jesus actually referenced that. Matthew 15 verse 8 is actually Jesus referencing uh, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 29, 13. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me and their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. So our worship is not only about a song. That's a physical expression of what's in our heart. It's, it's an overflow of the abundance of our heart. It's why in the midst of COVID, though, you know, it's, 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 it sucks that we, we can't sing in the way that we're used to. Our worship is not limited to, to one expression. Our worship, in fact, starts long before we enter a building on a Sunday or we turn on a service any day of the week. It, it's not tied to only the Sunday service. Our worship starts in our hearts when we decide that Jesus is first and he's first in everything. He's first before our career. He's first before our marriage. He's first before our kids. Jesus is first. When, when our lives are in alignment, things will move in the right direction. I want us to circle back to the verse that we started with. And when we started our time together, we looked at the second half of the verse. This is how the first part of the verse starts. Joshua 24, verse 15. 
I'm gonna just turn there because it's it's just nice to read it out of the, the the paper Bible. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. In the midst of this vow renewal ceremony where Joshua's talking to all of the people of God, the people who now are possessing the promised land. The promise is entirely fulfilled. He's speaking directly into their human nature because our human nature says that when the fight is over, when the struggle is over, when things are okay, I stop following Jesus and I start following my own way until the next crisis comes. If I'm being like really just frank with you, the reason we're having this conversation today is because as we start re-entry, As we move back into normal, to our real lives, as as the fall kicks off, there is a part of our human nature that goes that when the struggle's over, I'm just going to go back to doing things the way that I did it. And God, I'll call you when I need you. I just wonder what your life and my life would look like if we put Jesus first in every area in spite of the season. When things are good, shouldn't our worship and our love and our adoration be that much more? This is what he says in Joshua 24. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served before the Euphrates? What he's talking about there is he's talking about when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. Do you prefer those gods? Do you prefer to to go back, to look back? Or do you want to look forward knowing that God delivered on his promise that he'll never leave you or never forsake you, that he's going to do what he said he would do, that that which he started he will bring to completion? Or do you just want to look back and go to the way that things were when you were a slave, when you were in bondage? Let's put this maybe in language that we can understand. We can find freedom in Jesus and we can follow him one step at a time. Or we can choose to say, you know what? I'm going to be the God of my own life. I'm going to make my own choice. I'm going to make my own decisions. And I'm going to go back to those things. I'm going to go back to those things that got me into the situation where I felt like I was trapped. And I felt like I was a slave. I was a slave to my addiction. I was a slave to my relationship. I was a slave to all those things, unhealthy relationships. I was slave to my job. Do you want to go back to the place? The reality is when our worship is disordered, our lives become disordered. When we take our eyes off Jesus and we start following him and we stop following him, we start following the other things. Eventually you will become slave to that which you worship. You start to obey it. So you can today make a decision. Hey, I'm going to go my own way do whatever feels right, because now that things are back to normal and the crisis is passed. And then he says this, or will you serve the God of the Amorites in whose land you live now? Now that's really interesting because every time they took over a, a territory or a city or a house or a home, they would say, get rid of those gods, get rid of those idols, get rid of those things, those things that could come between you and God. Now we're like, we don't worship little statues, it's fine. No, we just worship our careers and money and cars, and houses, and sex, and all of these things. Oh, we just worship our ego, our status. 
you're right, we don't have statues. We have something much worse. We have a heart that doesn't even know how enslaved it is. And he says, but you, or you can be the Amorites. You know who the Amorites are. They're the people that the Israelites conquered. So we can follow Jesus and we can find freedom. We can reorder our heart so that Jesus is first in everything, our time, our talent, our treasure, and everything. Or we can understand that we will be like those in Egypt who are slaves, enslaved to our own desire. Or we'll be like those who are conquered, that are stuck, trapped, and who ultimately lose everything because we pursued the wrong thing at the wrong time. I don't want you to misunderstand me. This is not a guilt trip in any way. And if you feel that way, just pause the video for a second, take a deep breath. What I want you to understand so desperately is that you can find freedom from the things that keep you trapped and defeated. And you find that freedom in Jesus when you say, Jesus, you're going to be first. I'm going to put you first. Our physical expression of worship when we sing, that's just an overflow of Jesus being first. When we give financially, see, when we give, we talk about our generosity and all the, and all the places where our, our dollars go. Can I be honest with you? If you want God to do something in your finances, you need to give. Because we give back to him what's actually his. It's not ours in the first place. He's just given it to us. He says, if, if you trust me, would you give me the first, the first 10%? If, if you're struggling, I want to encourage you to, to give. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. That's what it says in Proverbs 11. Not because you make it happen, but because God leads you and guides you. And he opens you up into things that you never thought possible. Because when you have a heart that says, ah, I just have to hold on to everything. It's hard to live open-handed. It's hard to love well. It's hard to be generous. When we put Jesus first, we find freedom. When our worship is disordered, our lives become disordered. At the very beginning of the Bible, and I'm talking about like the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, the first book of the Bible, the first chapter, verse 2, okay? Like you can't get more beginning of the Bible than this. So if you've never read the Bible before, you can read this verse because it's at the beginning. You just open it up. It says that the Holy Spirit was present, that, that the world was, it was in chaos, and he hovered or he brooded over the face. Now what's amazing is that when you invite Jesus into your life, that he brings with him the Holy Spirit, which is the force through which he works. And the role and the function and the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to bring the chaos of our lives into order. You might feel out of control. You might feel like things are just all over the place. Can I tell you, when you invite Jesus in, you find freedom when you really align your life, you'll find that the Holy Spirit brings order to your chaos, healing to your brokenness. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, but maybe just now you're realizing that you in your worship, not musical, but in the worship of your life, in worshiping Him in spirit and in truth, Maybe some things are out of 
alignment. Who's first? When we put Jesus first, we find freedom. When we give room for the Holy Spirit to work, he brings our chaos into order. Hey, I want to I want to pray for you. Very first things first. If you're watching on church online, watch on Facebook, watch on YouTube. On, on Facebook and YouTube, there's a, a link just above that says, hey, if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, you click that button. Today is your opportunity to make a choice to invite Jesus in your life, to reorder your life and to find freedom. You don't have to be trapped and you don't have to be defeated any longer. We find victory in Jesus, not through anything that we can do, but through what he did for us. So if you want to make that decision today, you just type Jesus into chat and you click that link. If you don't want to do that, you're you're like, hey, listen, I'm not really like, I don't want to let everybody know that. You get out your phone right now and you text the word Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, to 587-400-2010. You'll make the best decision that you could ever make. We want to walk with you through that season. If you're watching on Church Online, there's a little button that says, I'm going to raise my hand to make a decision to follow Jesus. You just smash that button right now. Come on, it's so amazing to see people's lives being changed. I also want to challenge you who are already following Jesus. This is your time. Don't rush away from this moment. In fact, I'm going to encourage everything just to, just to, just to press pause on your life right now. Just find some calm, some peace. I know you're probably eating pancakes at home. Just put the pancakes down, for, sir. Put the bacon down. Just create a space and a place for Jesus to work and ask this simple question, Jesus, what am I putting in front of you, what's out of order in my heart, in my life. I want to worship you with my whole heart and spirit and in truth. Hey, if you click that button or you type that word, we're going to pray this prayer together. You repeat this after me. And if you didn't have the courage to do that today, you can send us an email later. Just email hello at scatteredsaints.ca. Let us know that you made the decision to follow Jesus. We're going to pray this prayer. If you want to invite Jesus into your life, I want you to just repeat it after me. Everybody else at home, you repeat this after me as well. We say, Dear Jesus, I need you now more than ever. So I give you everything. My wins and my losses, my sins and my successes. Jesus, be first in my life. Forgive me of my sins. I'm following you one step at a time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. It's Josh and Pastor DeAndre signing off here. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message of hope in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can text 587-400-2010, and we would love to hear your story. Yeah, right that's there. right. That's yeah. right. We want to hear your story. You can go to scatteredsaints.ca. To find out more about how to connect with a pastor and share your story. We're excited to hear from you guys and we'll see you guys next week.